Heavenly Father, we do come here to worship you, to come to adore you. We pray that you would reveal ourselves, open, reveal yourself, open our eyes to see you. That's our prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Happy New Year. Are you saying that with conviction? Is it more of a question? I, I hope that it is a, a resonation from your heart. Uh, and I hope that maybe, you know, as you're greeting somebody, I'm sure that you're wishing them a good new year. But the reality is, is that we have some questions that go along with everything. And, and how do you put the pieces together? How do you have hope when you begin 2021? Well, one of our grandchildren received a box of Legos for Christmas. And, you know, you look at the picture, and it, it's beautiful. And you think, wow, I want that. You know, I, he was pretty excited about the box of Legos that he got. And then you open the box, and it's filled with thousands of tiny pieces. How are you supposed to put them all in the right spot? You know, the uh, the six-year-old grandson can teach his grandfather a few things about that. Anyway, maybe 2021 is, is that, where you're trying to figure out how to put all the pieces together and to move forward in a good way. We're going to be looking at the book of Isaiah today. Not the whole book, just the chapter 40. Uh, Isaiah has, Isaiah, Isaiah is a book of hope. It might seem a little odd to think of it that way because it's a prophecy and it has a lot of judgment, has warnings, but in the midst of all of the judgment and warnings, there's encouragement, there's hope. It includes the most prophecies of Jesus, and we hear those as we think about Christmas time, Isaiah 9 and chapter 11. Uh, it is uh, the book that has the oldest complete manuscript of the Bible. It is also uh, written to the people when they were both before they were in exile as well as during their exile time. And then maybe uh, one other little nugget there is that it includes this reference to Cyrus, the king who would lead them or provide the way for them to leave Babylon back to their homeland of Israel. So, there's a lot of pieces. When you put that all together, there's a, a picture of hope, and I'd like to look at that today. Maybe you're praying, you're hoping that this new year will be better. I, there's maybe an expectation that it, it, it will be better, can be better. Uh, yet, at the same time, we've got uncertain economy, we've got new strain of virus, we've got a new president, we've got all kinds of different personal things that we're dealing with. And so, how do you find hope? And maybe the obvious answer is that our hope is found in the Lord. But I would like to challenge you with some specific applications of that. How does that really look when we live it out day to day? And so as we begin here, let's, uh, let's jump right into Isaiah chapter, chapter 40. Uh, you can have hope. We're not going to read the whole text ahead of time because 
it's a quite a large piece of scripture, and we'll look at each piece as we go along. You can have hope because he comforts the exile. Isaiah 1 through 35 has judgments, it has warnings, it includes the prophecies of Jesus. And then chapters 36 to 39, three chapters, it talks about the, the Assyrians coming to siege against Jerusalem and, and uh, the war against that. Then, that's still 100 years before Jesus, or excuse me, 100 years before they get sent off to captivity. So it's quite a period of time that's covered in this book. Then, chapter 1, or chapter 40, verse 1 and 2, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, her iniquity is pardoned, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. That's Isaiah's message to the exiles. How can they find comfort when they're 600 miles away from home? Because the Lord still loves them. He speaks tenderly to them. He forgives their iniquities. And their war is done. So we had a, a family together for Christmas Eve. And then some of them stayed over until Christmas Day, or excuse me, New Year's Eve until New Year's Day. And one of the grandchild children uh, might have had too much sugar, <laughs> might not have gotten too much sleep. So on New Year's Day, that poor little granddaughter needed to have a timeout. And Grandpa was the, the lucky one to get to drive around for a half an hour and listen to her express her feelings. But the rest of the house was a little bit more peaceful. Maybe we are also the ones that need a timeout. Is it true? We've sinned and there's consequences for our sin. And yet, in the midst of that, we need to know that the Lord still loves us. And that there's forgiveness for our sins. Maybe you're facing the consequences for your actions. Uh, for me, one of those simple ones was uh, eating too much. It makes for some resolutions for the new year. But seriously, there's a, there's a lot more very difficult and hurt, uh, hurtful areas of our lives. Broken relationships. Uh, broken homes consequences that just have even a generational effect. God still loves you. And it, he wants you to turn to him, just as like he wanted the exiles to turn to him. So, the next verse, verse 3, that is the next invitation. It says, Verse 3, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now I hope that that sounds familiar if you are remembering 
John the Baptist and his announcement of the Messiah coming, those are the words that he was quoting. So in that very simple statement, now you're seeing this chapter fulfilled in two different eras of time. You can see it's like looking at the mountain range. You've got the foothills, and you've got the next layer of mountains, and then there are finally the highest peaks. There's a picture of this where Isaiah is talking about this highway that's going to allow them to return back to Israel, as well as the highway that is going to prepare for the Messiah to come. And then, verse 5. It says, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So we talked about the glory of the Lord and how that glory has been revealed a couple of weeks ago. And here we are again. The glory of the Lord will be revealed in the desert. You know that fact is that you can find hope because his glory does shine in the desert, in the wilderness, in the difficult times of life. All right, that's who he is. That's who our God is. In the very hardest times of life is when he shines. Think of uh, the Israel's history, 400 years of slavery in Egypt, and then the glory of the Lord leads them out. Or 40 years in the wilderness, and then the glory of the Lord leads them to the promised land. Or 70 years of captivity in Babylon. And then God's glory leads them back to Israel. 400 years of silence. And then the Messiah comes. Glory of God revealed in a manger. We go through a lot of deserts in our lives. We face difficulties, challenges of all manner. Pain, personal loss, loneliness, separation, health issues. And these, you know, they can be very discouraging, but they can also be an opportunity. They can be an opportunity to see God's glory revealed and show his strength in a way that we might not otherwise see it. Because when it's really dark, even a small candle can light the room. Are you in a desert right now? Walking through the wilderness? Maybe God is ready to shine. Verse 6. It says, All flesh are, is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Kind of a vivid word picture when you think of Minnesota winter. All of the ground is covered in white snow. It looks cold and barren outside. And yet we know the spring is going to come. The grass is going to sprout. The trees are going to bud. Flowers are going to bloom. See, the, the fact is that we can have hope because God's word is eternal. It stands forever. It's a part of who he is. It's true regardless of how we feel, how uncertain or unstable things are. 
regardless of whether we understand it. And when we hope in his word, we can have confidence. When it says, when, it, when God's word talks about good news, it's not just ordinary news like you might see on an advertisement somewhere. This is great news. It's true. Some of those advertisements that you get are questionable about the what you hear versus what you get. Not with God. Verse 9. Go up on a mountain. To, uh, go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. You know, Abraham heard that good news. Good news, go to this new land that I'm going to show you. I, you are going to be a blessing to all nations. And he was. Moses, he received the news, you are going to be the leading the people out of Egypt. And he did. Isaiah, these people that are sent off into captivity... They're going to return, and they did. And the Messiah, he came. This verse, this good news gets even better because look at verse 11. It says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd and will gather his lambs in his arms. It's a, really, it's a beautiful picture of Jesus, the good shepherd. He desires to tell you, do not be afraid. I'm in charge. I've got this. I love you. Our God is truly something to behold. Verses 12 to 14 begin describing God as the creator. And it, it lays out these questions that are really unanswerable to point out who he really is. Look at verse 12. I'm just going to summarize this a little bit the, different than the actual text in the, in the Bible. It says, Who has measured the waters? Who has marked off the heavens? Who has enclosed the dust of the earth? Who has weighed the mountains? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? What man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? Who made him understand? We don't have any way to respond to that. Think of Job. And he's filled with all the manner of trials that he had. And then chapter 38, God starts asking Job. He, he gets the opportunity to talk with God. That's what his request was. If I could only talk to God. And then the Lord lays out all of these questions to Job. And he says, I'm... I didn't know what I was talking about. All of our wisdom, all of our superior knowledge, and we are left silent. The thing is, is that God creates everything out of nothing. Maybe you feel small and insignificant in your life. How do I have any 
recognition before the Lord or before society or even my family. Well, think back a few years when you were smaller, before you were born, before you had a heartbeat or took a breath. You were just two cells that God brought together. And now he has created a person that has breath and life and personality and, and uh, uh, preferences. You can speak, you can understand, you can plan, you can make decisions. You are God's amazing creation. So a scientist challenged God to a contest who could make the better human. And so God accepted that challenge. And so the scientist gathers his dirt and his chemicals to do things together and makes things together. And God says, no, no, sorry, you have to get your own dirt. <laughs> He's still in the business of creating things out of nothing. You're here by his design for his purpose. And that means even the simplest person can be, live, life can be lived for the glory of God. Verse 22 says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. I don't know if that's flattering for you. I probably, probably not. Who stretches out, he stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Here's Isaiah. He's writing at the time when they're under attack by Assyria, by Babylon. They're hauled off to captivity. They're under pagan rulers. And he points out that God is still in charge? Maybe we can't always see everything that God is doing. But we can have hope because he rules the nations. Regardless of who's in charge of our country or our state or our city or even our home, He's over all of that. Elections are important and votes matter, but they represent and they reflect the people, not God. So if one party wins, that doesn't mean that that's God's favorite, or another party loses doesn't mean that he's forgotten them. Biblical values are important because they allow us to live a peaceful, moral life. But the Lord used even the evil kings of Israel and Judah to work out his plan and his purposes over time. He used the pagan king Nebuchadnezzar to bring judgment on Israel and to haul him into captivity. And he used the pagan king Cyrus to bring them back from captivity and pay for the restoration of the city. Even in modern times, we think of how 
Israel has been restored to their homeland after you know, hundreds of uh, years of being separated from Israel. He's still in charge, regardless of what goes on around us. Verse 26. Verse 26 talks about the stars of the heavens. Lift up your eyes and on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name. So I was doing a little search, Google search, and, and found that before 2016, they had estimated the number of galaxies in the universe to be 200 billion. And then with new technology and different uh, scans, they were able to get recognized as closer to 2 trillion galaxies, each galaxy having myriads of stars. That's a lot of stars. He knows them all by name. That's a big God. You know, he, you can probably have hope if he knows all of the stars by name because the details of your life maybe are a little bit easier. Just think about how many things that we forget on a daily basis. Where are the car keys? Where's the cell phone? What's my children's name? We have an awesome God. His greatness is more than we can comprehend. Jesus even said, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. That's, for some people, that's a little easier, but it doesn't matter. still a lot of hair. If he's, if he's named the stars and he knows the hairs on your head, then maybe he can handle the details that come up for you this next year. Verse 30. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Maybe the thing that we deal with most as we begin a new year is just a feeling of exhaustion. We're tired of all of the different events that we were trying to coordinate and plan and orchestrate. Tired because we stayed up too late over New Year's and had too much sugar. Tired because of work or maybe schoolwork. Tired because of home and masks and problems and health and rules and expectations. But you can have hope because he gives hope, he gives strength to that, those weary ones. It, notice it doesn't say that he's going to remove the difficulties. He's just going to give you the strength to handle it. There was a time in seminary where I was, uh, had given everything that I had and I just couldn't do any more. 
I went and ta- told uh, one of our professors, I said, you know, I, I, just, I just can't do anymore. And he said, well, Kevin, maybe the thing you need to hear the most right now is, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Probably one of my favorite profound theological trainings coming out of seminary. Maybe you're weak. You need to be renewed by his strength. And you're wondering, how am I going to do that? How is that going to happen? Did you notice Jesus in this text? It's filled. Every point. He's the one that pardons our iniquities. He is the glory of the Lord that was revealed in the desert. He is the eternal word, the good news. He's the one that made you, and he wants you to live with him. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the one that calls his sheep by name. He's the one that renews our strength. Today we're going to have celebrate communion. And the purpose of that very act is to renew your strength. Jesus told his disciples, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I talked to, uh, I called a good friend of mine last night. He just about didn't make it into 2021. He, he was exiled with COVID. And it really was quite difficult for him. But the Lord brought him home. And in the middle of that time, he was referring to Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And he stopped and remembered, though I walk through the valley, was the peace that gave him hope in the midst of that trial. Another trial that he faced was needing a heart valve replacement. He saw the glory of the Lord shine in that part of his life as well. His son died, and in the midst of that, he hung on to God's word. He was raised to a prominent position, an important role. Even though he came from just a rural South Dakota farm, when politics got messy in that position that he was put in, he just trusted the Lord to be in charge. He's that kind of guy that if he knows you, he knows your name. He's not going to forget it. Right now, as he starts 2021, he's looking to the Lord to renew his strength. I called to encourage him. That's kind of futile because he's the one that does the encouraging. So 
So he prayed and he shared scripture and he said, Kevin, don't worry about tomorrow. God's got this. Maybe that's what you need to hear. Whatever your tomorrow brings, God's got this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are. You are, you are an amazing God. May we just stand in awe and adore you for who you are. The fact that you forgive our sins, why, why would you even do that? What a gift. The fact that you reveal yourself to us, that we can see you and get to know you in your glory, or even just a portion of it. That you've given us your word to give us strength and confidence to face all of these promises that you give us that face us our uncertainties. You've made us. And we can know you and live with you. Father, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We praise you for who you are. And the fact that you know us and call us by name. You renew our strength. Oh, I pray, Lord, that as we come to the altar today, you would truly renew our strength. For it is easy to be weak and weary. But in you, you've got this. In your name we pray. Amen.